I'm your inner dream monologue and you're fast asleep. So I'll be quick. Great job using the Colgate Optic White Overnight Teeth Whitening Pen before bed. When used as directed, it gives you a visibly whiter smile in just seven days. So while I fly and talk to animals, you're removing teeth stains with ease. Sweet dreams. And when you wake up, keep on living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Puyo Moseni is an actor, writer, consultant, and trans advocate. As an actor, she can be seen on Law & Order SVU, Falling Water, Big Dogs, and Madam Secretary. Also, be sure to check out her new film, See You Then, on Instagram at SeeYouThenFilm, and follow her personal Instagram at PuyaLand. control of it for a moment for a moment <laughs> there's hello did you like it yeah did we start yeah oh. hi everyone this is dress for the podcast you want my name is david i'm megan and this is dress for the podcast you want it's a podcast <laughs> sorry sorry if you hear my squeaky party chair we haven't done this in a while we're in a brand new environment yeah so i think that's why i'm a little cuckoo right we're now we're a little cuckoo yeah. right now sure we're, blame it on that yeah <laughs> yeah you know you know I don't know how this is going to sound. I hope it's going to sound good, but really we don't have any control over that. That's really up to absolutely none. The audio <laughs> deities. And our guest today, I'm just going to let's just dive in. Do you want to talk about anything? Is there anything on your mind? Uh no, I yeah, I think you you summed it up. We're in a new room and it's fucking weird. Let's do it. Our guest today is Puya Moseni. Hello. How are you? I'm okay. Still standing on two <laughs> legs. You know, that that's a good thing to be. I think this is also one of those moments that I want to tell the world, you all think I'm so serious and nasty and all of that. And I'm not. I am the grayest of the grays. <laughs> this is your platform now to yes. to, to pitch yourself yeah. as however you want to, to be. To tell defined. the truth. Yeah. <laughs> to, to speak your truth. This is the Diane Sawyer exclusive. <laughs> oh, yes, please. <laughs> I like that you said you were still standing and I was just imagining you standing during the podcast, which I can see. I, I actually can't tell whether you are or not, but I just imagine that would be a lot of energy to bring to the podcast to stand. And Well, you wouldn't know. It's like I'm like I'm in this very weird thing underneath it. I even have my little um, thing, my step that's going like as I'm going like, oh, my God, what a fucking yuppie I would be if that's what I was doing. <laughs> You're on your Peloton recording a podcast. Yeah, it's like I'm like, yeah. Okay, let's go. Yeah, David, Megan, okay. Oh, yeah, life is really good. Okay. I know, I know. Don't you just feel it? Feel the burn. (laughs) Feel the burn. I should should tell the people that Puya and I go a ways back. We went to acting school together, and I just miss her so damn much. Can you believe 10 years? 10 years? What? What? I mean, we graduated like nine and a half years ago, but like, yeah, 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this episode's not for any of the listeners. This episode's for really just for Puya. Me, so. <laughs> sorry if you if you're listening to this, I don't know how you got hold of it. You just go for a gush fest. This is, this is it's like, welcome, come have some tea with us. Yeah, hang out. It's gonna yes. be great. It's gonna be cozy. It's gonna be intimate. It's gonna be. So probably gonna, it's probably gonna be a little cry. Let's dive in. Yeah, again, we've mm-hmm. already divin. Let's dive again. Deeper, divin, divin, deeper. Hooya! Yes, darling. Do you consider yourself a successful person? Mm, I think that's very subjective. You're and I come from a right. I come from a long line of uh, perfectionists. Oh. Uh, 
And I think they were just all miserable because of it. Uh, in some ways, I was talking to someone about a week ago and I said, if I look at certain things in my life, I'm definitely a success. And I will be a little more specific about that. Um, there was a time in my life that I had no sense of self. Mm. I felt that I had to buy people to like me. Mm. I had to bribe people to be nice to me. Mm. And so I've done a lot of things that now looking back, I'm like, girl, you wasted so much time <laughs> and you got rid of so many lovely bracelets. Um, when I say pay people, like, I mean, literally, uh -huh. um, but where I am now in my life, I like who I am. Mm -hmm. I like what I've done with my life. I like what I stand for. Uh, I like how I have met the challenges of my life. So I judge my life by if I were to die tomorrow, not that I'm planning, not that I'm planning, <laughs> but if I were to die tomorrow, like that's my, you know, that's my measuring stick. If I were to die tomorrow, do I have any regrets? I have none. And I'm very grateful for that. If what I've accomplished up to today is all that I'm ever going to accomplish. It's considerably further than I ever imagined when I set out on this journey 20-something years ago, coming from Iran and all of that. Do I want a lot more? Oh, absolutely. Yes, please. I, I intend to be, you know, the sassy walking New York broad into my 90s, annoying the orderly at the old people's <laughs> home, saying like, no, you're not doing it right. <laughs> Um, <laughs> not but, at a, not at an old people's home. You, it, that's that's just your relationship with the doorman, right? You're going like <laughs> I I kind of like okay. My my relationship with my doorman is a little contentious, and for a reason most people would not believe. It's not very comfortable for me to have somebody else get the elevator for me when I'm perfectly capable of doing it. <laughs> and for the past 14 years, it's been this thing of like, I can get, I have to get to the elevator. You know, that's the only way that I can get into it. So I can get it. I feel uncomfortable. You getting up for the sole purpose of pressing that button. But apparently that's how the structure works. Have you communicated this to your doorman? Oh, many times. Interesting. <laughs> What's his response been? Maybe he, he likes it. I think he looks at me and he smiles and he just looks at it that that's his job. It is. That's uh -huh. what he should do. Uh, and I guess because he does it for everybody, I'm kind of like the one person. It's like, I'm like, real. I mean, like if I have like five bags in my hand, sure, I, I get it. But outside of that, it's just very uncomfortable for me to do it. I think that's me being the stubborn fucking mule that I am, <laughs> that I shall continue to be, which has also part of it have been, if you want to call my life a success has been the reason for that because I have to do things my way. Mm -hmm. I, 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 have to, I have to be able to respond to that voice inside myself, inside my head that questions and judges everything that I do, which is also what I tell all my kids. And by kids, I mean my community kids, the, mm -hmm. you know, the young trans kids, wherever they are on the LGBTQ you know, universe. And when I talk to them, I always tell them the most important voice in your life is the voice inside your head mm -hmm. because that's the first voice you hear in the morning and it's the last voice you hear at night. So if you can come to terms with that voice, then you're going to have a reasonably content life. Mm. Uh, but if you don't, that voice is still going to be there and it's just going to bug the shit out of you. So my advice is figure out how to make peace with that voice. I love that because when we talk about success on this podcast, we, we sort of break it down into three chunks. We talk about your success professionally, your success personally with other people in your life, and your success interpersonally with, with yourself. And the, and the career thing only became first only because that is like what most people correlate that word to. That's you know what I mean? most people start the conversation yeah. with when we talk about it. Most people start there. Sometimes, every once in a while, people will talk about their 
family or friends or like, you know, if they're parents or something, that relationship first. I think this is the first time we've had someone really talk about your six. You, if, if I'm if I'm paraphrasing you correctly, that your success comes from your relationship with yourself and your happiness with yourself. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm very honest about the horrible things I've done to myself. Hmm. Um, and the reason I talk about it isn't so much like I'm like, oh, my God, I've had a, such a hard life. Actually, when people tell me I'm sorry, it's like, I'm like, why? I mean, you didn't do it. Yeah. Um, oh my God. <laughs> but I think that I've gone from somebody who tried to commit suicide multiple times hmm. uh, to somebody who stayed in an abusive relationship because I thought that's what I was worth to now being in a place in my life that I am the queen of my own life. Mm -hmm. that I try to share that and that sense of being in control of your life with the people around me, I would say that is my greatest accomplishment because also nobody can take that away from you. You know, you can have a job and someone can take that away from you. You can have relationships with other people. Someone can take that away from you. But your relationship with yourself, unless you suddenly become schizophrenic, which, you know, also happens to people. I I mean, I may be a little off the chart, but not quite there. Um, but it's like that relationship um, is something that I discovered when I became a massage therapist about 16 years ago. And I'm very grateful for that. And I feel oh. that everything that happens in my life, every positive, the strength, the love, um, the generosity towards my community, towards myself, it all comes from that sense. Because like I said, it's the first and the last voice in my day. And that voice has to, I have to have a friendly relationship with <laughs> everything else kind of comes and goes and you don't have control over it but this one thing mm -hmm. that's the core of my being sometimes when megan's going to bed i lean over and i give her a little asmr experience before she falls asleep and then my voice is the last voice that she hears yeah well david would you like to come over and do that to me yes i would <laughs> I want to start with career just to sort of keep the like the 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 sure. regular schedule. So tell us about your success professionally, your sort of journey there. I didn't know you're a massage person. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she, she, uh, mm -hmm. I remember that because <laughs> you I remember remembering class. I'd be like, mm, you know, between breaks and all of that. And, and she would tell me the things I should do for myself because oh. my 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 shoulders were. I mean, they're still bricks, but back in that day. Ooh, bricks was not even the word to describe what my shoulders were. So also one thing I've learned in the last 10 years is what I used to say, you know, your shoulders are this or your back is this. It's like I'm like, it could it could receive a little more love. So it's like just the way I look at it is like it's not that it's bad, it can be better. And that's just the yeah. shift yeah. of mindset that I've had in my whole life. Now, as to profession, I'm assuming we're talking about, you know, it's like the world of performing and acting and all of that. Yeah. yeah well, your, your activism and your trailblazing, all that. Oh my trailblazing. Oh yeah, yes. you know, I wait. <laughs> Wake up in the morning and it's like I'm like, good morning, you trailblazer. You with your machete. You should. <laughs> it's like I'm like, oh no, I do double machete, not just one. It's like <laughs> just one. Um, I I I don't know if I feel like a success. I feel like I've done things that I didn't think was possible. So I'm going to mm. start with the most recent and go backwards. Okay. I would say probably one of the greatest things was being the first Middle Eastern trans person to play a judge on a procedural show on network television was when I guest starred on Law and Order SVU. Yes. And I got directed by Mershka Hargitay, which was just the total cherry on Ooh, the top my of that, Oh my that God. Uh, what an amazing person. Like I, you know, when I see people who just totally inspire me and embody everything that I want to be, it's like, I'm like, I just try to absorb it. It's like, if they see me, they, they would probably think I'm just really weird because I'm just staring at 
like I'm like just trying to <laughs> suck off like their energy. Just trying to be the sponge. Yeah, it's like it's like I'm like, oh, give me, give me. And she was like just amazing to watch. What a, a powerful presence with such great confidence. That being in that courtroom sitting literally above everybody else and kind of like looking down at everybody. That was just surreal. Um, Shooting the film, See You Then, which has made its premiere this year at South by Southwest. Uh, I shot it last year, month and a half before the lockdown started. So it's like, I mean, just talk about timing. Like for the curtain there. You know, we got done shooting on January 31st. Wow. And I flew back on the first. So like, that's how close it was. Um, And this year, I mean, it's gone to South by Southwest, Disorient, uh, Martha's Vineyard. Now it's in Wicked Queer. And then it's going to Atlanta Film Festival and um, Florida. Uh, I'm proud to say that its IMDb rating is 8.2. And wow. on on Rotten Tomatoes, we've gotten a 96% uh, <gasps> for critics rating. It's like to be kind of like, uh, you know, the number one star on the call sheet for something like this. Yeah. It's just, wow. it's, it's amazing. But I would also be very honest. Like I would watch my performance and I'm like, I don't know if I'm good or bad. I, I, I honestly couldn't tell you. I, hear um, you. I, I can tell you my co-star, like I can look at her and it's like, I'm like, oh my God, she's so amazing. Oh my God. I, I was watching it with my mom and I keep saying like, isn't she amazing? She's so amazing. She's just, <laughs> like, did you see, did you see that thing? Um, so like, I'm very proud of that. The guest star, recurring guest stars I did on Falling Water on USA a few years ago. Um, uh, that was great. The big dogs on Amazon. That's right. Um, big dogs. It, you know, it's a particular way that the industry sees me very strong, um, very kind of like no BS. Now, whether I happen to be a judge or a cab driver's association leader or a scientist or a spy on Madam Secretary, I'm mean, like, that was my entree into network television, playing an Iranian spy that comes out, gets basically manhandled and shot. Okay. <laughs> that was my entrance oh, no. into network television as I like to remember it. You haven't really arrived until you've died on network television. So that was my first step. That was my first step. Um, uh, We got to do an audible play with um, Williamstown Theater Festival. Um, A beautiful play written by uh, Shakina Nafak about these group of uh, trans women and their families from different backgrounds, different socioeconomic um, states, uh, different ages, different ethnicities, all coming together. Um, And basically, you know, you kind of get a snippet of all of their stories to be that along people like Kate, uh, Kate Bornstein and Ivory Aquino and Telly Long and Shagina Nifak. It's like, it's just to be in things like that, you know, it's fabulous. I would say the one thing that always kind of like catches in my mind is that the industry still doesn't quite know what to do with all the different qualities I bring to the table Hmm. because they see me as Middle Eastern. They see me as trans, but I don't look or sound like the stereotypical uh, manifestation of either one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm too elegant and sophisticated and white collar and Upper East Sideish to fit into <laughs> anybody's idea of a refugee because you think that like refugees are born that way, but they're mm-hmm. not, by the way. Um, and the representation of the queer community, which uh, they were either victims or villains mm-hmm. uh, or like, you know, inner city street people. We haven't quite gotten to a point that, 
oh, you know, like your lawyer, there was a show that Laverne was in with Katherine Heigl, and I think it only lasted a few episodes called Doubt, mm-hmm. which it was a lawyer show. And Laverne was one of the lawyers. And I believe Katherine Heigl was one of the other ones. Um, I petitioned for it many years ago. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to go into the details. It was, uh, well, that was an experience. Uh, <laughs> but I always tell people, I am working towards being part of that wave, this wave of change that we can just see certain uh, marginalized groups in a different light than we've seen them before. And that happens with any minority group. It has happened with um, uh, African-American men, African-American women, mm-hmm. uh, and every other marginalized community. It's like you go through these stages of you know, they're kind of like a trinket and then they become fetishized and then you slowly move forward. So I would like to think that I'm going to be one of those people who will make it um, uh, a little easier for casting directors or writers or director to be like, you know, we can have a trans character without their storyline being the fact that they're going to have surgery. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or that they're going to come out. Because yeah. let me tell you, there have been many, many, many <laughs> scripts that I've read. Um, some of them that I'm like, oh my God, this is the third medical show i'm reading that the trans character is there that somehow their transitioning is putting their life in danger Mm. Uh and that is the storyline in terms of looking at someone who is iranian and trans and would you do you think that you have more roles that like the fact that you're from iran is more mainstreamized but the trans isn't and like what am i asking here you're you're i think what you're asking me like which one which one gets me into more room no, what I'm, what I, I think I'm summarizing. What it sounds like you're saying is that there are you have experienced more opportunities in which the fact that you're Iranian is mainstreamized, and the fact that you're a trans is not right. That those roles, well, as much it, as being a double spy is being, you know, normalized. <laughs> well, okay, so great. So is that not the case? Like, is is that also a sort of like? Um, to be honest with you, and this is what I've seen, especially when it comes to TV. I feel it's kind of like six of one and half a dozen of the other. Mm-hmm. It depends on the show and what their look is and why they're bringing that particular character in. Because, like, I may be Iranian, but I'm I don't have this like kick-ass badass feel. I'm very white collar. So there are a lot of shows uh, like NCIS that have Iranian actresses. But you know, the kind of show that it is is kind of like the characters in it are a little grittier. Uh, our little, you know, it's like kick-ass, more like literally kick-ass, not just, you know, <laughs> kick-ass in essence. Um, and I feel that I may be a little too white-collar feeling hmm. for that, too chic, if you may, too elegant. Um, but then on the trans side, the the different castings I get, so it's either very young people who are just coming to, they're kind of like radical, revolutionary um, or on the other side, there are much older people in their late 50s and their 60s who are just starting to transition. And I have gone into those rooms reading for a character that says the character is in their 60s, possibly late 50s, and they just started transitioning last year. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, yeah, Puya, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sure. Yeah, you got me. But then you realize that when you go into a room, we're still in the phase that when it comes to a trans character, it's kind of like every trans character that they can think of, whether they're like 20 years too old or 30 years too young for the character, they bring them in because 
still they don't have a concrete idea of what this particular person at this particular phase in their life looks like and sounds like. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I look at those opportunities when I got into those rooms for those roles that I was obviously not right for. Um, and I took those opportunities to do my thing, you know, like be the actor that I am, do the scene, knowing that there is no way in hell anybody's going to, you know, it's like receive the fact that I'm in my late fifties and I just started transitioning last year. Okay. There's just no, like, you know, it's like only if the person is blind and is just going by voice. Aside from that, it's like, it's just, it's just not going to happen. Um, but I've also had the privilege of being in meetings with casting directors about four years ago. Um, there were town halls between casting directors, agents, managers, people from SAG, people from Actors Access and performers and talking about what is it we need to bridge the misunderstandings? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is it we're missing out on? What is it you need? What is it you want us to hear, but we haven't heard? And, you know, we've had a few of those, which kind of culminated in last year being the Variety article that Casting Society of America had their top 20 actors of yes, 2020. That. Which, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like I was one of them. It's like when they're like, I'm like, why am I on it? Um <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean, they were, because they were these seriously amazing people on it. And I think that's just a step. And I, one of the things that drives me is to hope that I can be part of that force that pushes that forward. Back to your question, David, as to normalized, I don't know. I think it really depends on who you ask, because I know there are some people that feel more comfortable with the LGBTQ community and not so much with somebody that comes from the Middle East. Mm. and then there's vice versa. Well, and I think I figured out a better way around what I'm my my question, which maybe so. Let's take the the Law and Order role for mm-hmm. for instance, right? Your role in that show didn't your, the character and its its portrayal, right? Didn't have anything to do with the fact that you're Iranian, and didn't have anything to do with the fact that mm-hmm. the character was trans, right? Yeah. And so, is that more the goal that right that an Iranian trans person plays this role, and it's not about anything? Either or, one, yeah. Or or mm-hmm. is it about showing the story of Iranian people and trans people and it being about that, but them not being these like, you know, cliched roles. Cliche character. Well, first of all, um, like like the judge role on SVU and also my scientist role on um, Falling Water on mm. USA. Uh, the one thing about the casting for Falling Water was that they had specified they wanted a trans actor. They were open to trans men and trans women. And in the casting, this is like, I will never forget this. And I always tell people, they said, we want this character to be portrayed by a trans actor. We want, we want this to be part of the fabric of our show. We're never going to talk about the fact that this character is trans. And that is the statement we're making. So these are kind of like two variations of how you can be all of those things and you can be brought on either not because of any of those things or because of them, but the role that you're playing has nothing to do with either one. Mm -hmm. And one is kind of like saying, you know, we want to have a very diverse cast. And they did from top to bottom. Like their main cast was black man, an Asian man, a white woman, uh, and the supporting cast from there. It was multicolor, multigender, like everything which was great. Um, Now, were they doing it specifically to be diverse? Because sometimes it also, that becomes a fashion. Now, whether it makes sense or not. Um, And sometimes they want to do it because that's the story that they're telling. Now, for me, 
I don't have a problem if my character is Iranian. I don't have a problem if my character is trans. I have a problem when either of those characters happen to fall into the old cliches. Mm -hmm. It's like from a point of view, let's say a woman who's not trans, seeing another woman's role who's written by a man from a man's point of view and to exist and to act and to do everything they do for some other character, as opposed to being a fully fleshed out character. Mm -hmm. In that sense, we've gotten to a point that we now know the difference when the character of a woman is written as a sole character or kind of like as a trinket to a male character. Now right. it becomes very obvious. Mm -hmm. And I think for other minority groups, it's very much the same way. Um, Alexandra Billings, who is somebody that I love and adore. And every time I say it, it's like, I'm like, Alexandra Billings, you should all know Alexandra Billings. <laughs> um, I just, you know, it's like, I just watch everything they ever put out there. And they said, when people ask me, do you want to keep playing trans characters? What they said was really lovely. They said, well, if I'm playing it, then on some level, the character is trans. Yes. Because yes. I'm playing it. Yes. Right. But does that mean that there's only one kind of character and one kind of story? Can the trans character be your boss or your neighbor or your lover or your significant other or your parent or your child, as opposed to prostitute number three, <laughs> as opposed to victim number four who got like beaten up by somebody on the street. Yeah. So I don't have a problem with representing either of the communities that I'm a part of. It's the cliches. Because sure. when you look at the cliches, you inevitably end up being a uh, half human mm -hmm. because only a part of you is shown because the writer or the director or the producer only care about that part of it, which completes somebody else's story. Right. Mm. And that, that's, you know, no actor wants that. Do we put up with it? Do we do it? Of course we do. You know, I mean, like, if they kept bringing me in, they're like, we need a gorgeous, sassy dame. I would just, I would find a way to live with that infringement <laughs> upon my person. But, you know, it's like they say, it's a burden. Exactly. <laughs> it's a burden somebody has to carry. And change is happening. Change is happening. Good. I mean, let, let's talk a little about the show that you two kind of like connected me with. Um, sees the show doing... Mm -hmm. um, Saving Wonderland. Yeah. Well, uh, which like I, I'm like I am so in love with that group of people. It's like just <laughs> oh my god, it's it's not even funny. Um, but to be the white queen, there's no reason that the white queen can't be anything. It's just that yeah. usually the white queen happens to be a white cis woman. Sure. That's just mm -hmm. what it's usually been. But in this case, the white queen is played by yours truly. Yes. Um so this is how change happens when people can be like well, this person has a quality that kind of surpasses these other markers. Mm. The fact that they come from X, Y, and Z, or the fact that, you know, it's like, this is their gender identity. But like their quality as a person would breathe life into this character. Unfortunately, in film and television, we are not quite there yet. We are not. <laughs> which is why Ridley Scott still makes the movie happening in Egypt, and everybody in it is white. Whoops. Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. Ridley Scott, if you're out there, I, I'm more than happy to consult you on how to cast, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ridley's a big fan, so <laughs> we'll get the message along. <laughs> we love you, Ridley. <laughs> just um, just work on yourself a little bit, okay? We, we have some notes. Um... <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Cheers. Welcome to this, me, Arthur Greenleaf Holmes, until recently, anonymous poet. For those of you familiar with me, hello again. For those of you unfamiliar, who am I? Well, I guess I'm a poet. A lesser poet, and yes, I accept that. Perhaps that's because I like to make people laugh in my poetry, and I suppose that makes me a poet-comedian. Why? Why would anyone become a poet-comedian? The simple answer is that I love both. My intention throughout this series is to introduce you not only to some of my own poems, but to marry them with the great works of the English language, writers that have influenced, delighted, and astounded me in some fashion. You can always find me on Facebook, and also on Instagram, and sometimes on Twitter, although I'm not very fond of Twitter. I don't do very well when I'm limited to a small number of characters. Okay, well, then let's take this opportunity to transition to the... the person to personal person. how's your how's your relationship to success in terms of other people family friends relationships <laughs> <laughs> um uh i love my friends i love my friends dearly <laughs> romantically um i'm kind of like i'm a little mercurial hmm. i don't fit into uh how people imagine relationships being uh uh, one of my exes told me that like uh, that the person who has loved a lot has lived a lot, and he looked at me as like you have lived a lot. <laughs> um, I think my search through love and sex and intimacy is kind of like been a journey. I'm like I don't even know. Like I think what I've been looking for is more like a theory. Uh, this illusion of uh, you know. Sparkles and sunshine and waltz playing miraculously in ether oh, and, and all don't of we that. All. Don't, don't we, we all? all? Well, what are you talking about? I mean, like, hello. Um, <laughs> I like, love to waltz. <laughs> I love waltz. You lo- excuse you me. You said you loved waltzing. <laughs> I, I I love waltz. Most of the time, it's just me by myself. But you know, yeah. <laughs> um, great. Um, again, I think part of this goes into personal success. There was a time in my life that I would try to please other people in my life i do not anymore oh (laughs) which could make me difficult but i'm totally okay with that it's like again the voice inside me and that's not to say like okay you know go out and be a total bitch to everybody no (laughs) because i think that gives you wrinkles and gas and and that's just you know like uh but i like to Oh God, I gotta keep that in mind. I'm sorry, that really got me. Okay, go on. Yeah, I, I think like you know, inner turmoil that just does that, um, and also that's not a quality I like in other people. Mm-hmm. But the things that I value in my interpersonal relationships, I love being a community mom. Like one of my kids is having their gender affirming surgery today, wow. and we had been skyping for the past year and some, pretty much since the pandemic began because it threw so much of their plan off the chart. And Mm -hmm. I wanted them to feel that they were being listened to, that they were being supported in whatever humble way I could support them to get them to this day, to keep them on the track. You know, it's like they finished their semester, they stayed on track, taking their medication, going step by step to get to the surgery day. And I feel 
very proud as a mom to be able to do that. That is the most important thing in my life,、mm-hmm. like being a community mom. Why? Because when all of that stuff was happening in my life, I felt completely lost.、Mm-hmm. I, you know, the internet wasn't what it is today. The world didn't know that I was trans. I was in an abusive relationship where the person I was involved with was fighting with me and. Threatening to leave me on the day that I'd had the surgery,、hmm. so like that's the world I lived in. And some people could come out of that experience and be like, "Well, you know what? The world was shitty to me, so I'm just gonna fuck everybody over." And I guess that's their point of view. But I made this decision about I don't know, 20 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, that I think things that happen in life are like a meteor, and you're like a, a planet. Moving and this meteor comes and you know you kind of change direction. But I feel that we have control over what that direction is. I took the direction of confidence and kindness versus arrogance and venom.、Mm-hmm. And I think it does come down to wrinkles and gas.、Mm-hmm. I because the way that I look at it is I have to live with myself.、Mm-hmm. That is the most important thing. And when I know that I supported a young person to get to where they needed to be. That brings me a lot more contentment.、Mm-hmm. Uh, now there are many choice words I have for many people in the world that I would like to tell them exactly what I think. And I've also been very vocal about people who've done not so nice things to me, like the young gentleman who tried to run me over with a car, or the three gentlemen who assaulted me when I was in my teens.、Mm-hmm. But I look at it and I'm like, that's how that's how the world that they were in raised them.、Mm-hmm. Um, that you know, one person was not taught. A healthy way of expressing their desires. So when they made an advance and it was shut down, they weren't taught how to deal with that in healthy.、Mm-hmm. So the way that they dealt with it was, you know, try to run me over with a car. But obviously, I'm here, you know, all all fingers and toes.、Um, <laughs> they missed. And, and I, because that anger, who do you think is going to carry it?、Mm-hmm. I'm going to be the one who's going to carry it, and I don't want to carry it. I don't want to carry it. I've I've carried enough. So that's what I always tell people. You know, come to terms with the things that happen in your life.、Uh, surround yourself with people who bring out your best, who inspire you, who make you be your kindest, your most generous. That's what I try to do every day、mm. as I go through my life, and I think that's kind of a success. Am I going to say like all of my relationships are just like peachy, hunky dory? Sure. No, no, they're they're not. On the podcast, I'll say that. <laughs> and then, like, sure, they are. And I'm just very comfortable with what I want out of my life. When people ask me, they're like, you know, what's your dream? I'm like, my beautiful house on the West Coast with my husband and my boyfriend, all living under the same roof. <laughs> and you know, it's like me,、um, one of them making breakfast for me because I'm getting up to go and you know do my thing as a series regular. Like that's my form of a dream. Now, if somebody said, "Well, why a husband and why a boyfriend?" I'm like, "Well, I mean, we could make it two boyfriends, but I mean, like, there are only so many <laughs> days in a week." Uh, uh, so, I think the greatest success of my life is probably that the world has tried to kill the child inside me, the kooky, unabashed, totally dreamy kid that thought I could be a Bond girl at eight. Okay, my aspirations have risen since then,、uh, but I wanted to be a Bond girl at eight, and you know,、mm. have like three spouses at the same time. Those dreams are still alive. I'm I'm very aware <laughs> of where the reality ends and where the dream begins, 
but the soul of that child is very much alive. And I would say that has been a great accomplishment, the life of that. Do you treat, do, are you a golden rule gal? Do you treat other people the way you want to be treated? Or do Absolutely. You, do you? I, uh, yeah, like that, that's the main, cool. the main thing that's always going on in my head. One of the other things I always tell kids is like, I'm like, be yourself, but be the first one to call out your shit. Mm. And it's like, I'm like, yeah, because with privileges come responsibilities. Most people look at the privileges, but not the responsibilities. And I think one of the privileges of being an adult is that you get to do what you want. But one of the responsibilities is that you don't live by yourself mm-hmm. in a world. Yeah. Um, and the kind of world that you want to live in, you are also part of it. So what you put into it is part of what you reap. So absolutely, absolutely. I know it sounds very cliche, but uh, I almost everything I do, like when I talk about politics, yes, I'm a lefty liberal. But whenever I talk about politics, about people who are on the other side of the aisle, I don't want to just go, well, they're bad because they disagree with me, but more thinking about it, well, they're different from me. But is it that what they think is different from me? or their whole approach to it. Like when people say, well, liberals are intolerant. I'm like, I think we're confusing two things because what one side calls tolerance, it completely undermines people's personhood. That you can't be who you are because that undermines who I am Mm -hmm. versus what my side says that, I just want you to acknowledge that I'm here and I'm different from you, but I still have as much right and as much citizenry privileges as you do. And when you look at it within that structure, it's not just the difference of one side saying something and the other side saying different. It's their whole point of view of what does it mean to be a citizen and what are our rights and responsibilities. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I'm always asking that question because I would hate to be a hypocrite. It just so doesn't go with my cheekbones. (laughs) (laughs) It just so doesn't. And also Um, it doesn't age well on social media. And it just, it really does cause gas. It does. It does. <laughs> um, I have a question about being, being a mom now is, uh, do people find you through, are you with a certain organization? That's how they come to find you. Or is it because you've met them in person and then they just, they kept in touch and now you mentor them. I think it's kind of like social media. Uh-huh. So once in a while I do, uh, especially when I do a podcast or a panel in Farsi which mm-hmm. that's also that like that is just an amazing part of my life which has only been something that's happened in the last two years wow um and when my kids in iran or people who are in turkey or in europe uh, they're like waiting for their asylum or they're in this in-between place they uh, their families don't understand them they've left the country they don't know what is their future and somehow they find me through something i've done and they message me and sometimes um, I call them back on Instagram. Wow. And we talk for an hour or two or however long we can. And I have no claim that I can help that much. But at the very least, I can let them know that they're not crazy, that they're not alone, mm-hmm. that there's nothing wrong or dirty or sinister about them just because who they are. And in the last two years, I've realized, well, that may not be much to me. To these kids that have not heard anything other than the fact that there's something wrong with them and God hates them and, you know, it's like just fill in the blanks for someone that they consider to be successful. Now, whether I am or not, that that's debatable, but someone to them is a role model, 
taking the time to talk to them. And sometimes we may not talk for a few months and then they leave me a message and then we talk. And then I see kind of like the course of their life over the course of a year or two years. Mm. And I kind of see just that little bit of someone being there, affirming them, Mm -hmm. seeing them, listening to them, joking with them, Mm. being vulnerable with them. That allows them to come out, mm-hmm. to come, to let go of some of the baggage. And I wish I could do so much more. But for now, if all I can do is talk to one person here and one person there and share my experiences and say, like, you know, somebody tried to run me over with a car and that was bad, but here I am and it didn't define my life. Um And it wasn't my fault because there was a time I thought it was my fault. And I'm Mm. sure a lot of these kids feel that so much horrible stuff that's happened to them is their fault. And to kind of like be a satellite mom sort of Mm -hmm. and to just, you know, get to be there. And I think if I wasn't an actor, I don't know if I'd be as comfortable doing Mm. that because, you know, we talk for a living. So it helps. Um, And to do that, that. That goes back to if if all I have accomplished in my life is the things I've accomplished up to this point, to be there for a few kids, um, for them to think that I'm somebody of note and inspire them, then my life has had a purpose. Yeah. And I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. I mean, it makes me, it makes me think of like, you know, when they when they teach you theater history or something in school, it's like, well, how did mm-hmm. actors come about in the first place? That they were literally yeah. the living, breathing guides to survival mm. because they... Yeah show those who either are a part of the world or the experience or not, but then really, they really are a guide to survival for those that are in the very steps that you're in, you know? And I really think the studio, Maggie Flanagan studio, mm-hmm. um, their emphasis on the truth, the truth of the moment, mm-hmm. that has been a huge part of that um, catalyst in yeah. me to question to be open i mean like when i was at the studio i wasn't out and when people ask me why i'm like because if you look back you realize i was the only trans person in the studio in the two Mm -hmm. years i was there it did not feel Mm -hmm. like it wasn't my world sure and 10 years ago it was different and i had bad experiences many years before that like being on set and being outed on set and you know it's like stuff like that yeah so i just i just didn't see that as a possibility Mm. but I'm glad that that was the studio that I was at. I'm glad that most of my friends from there, including you, including many of the other people that we were together, they are my friends. But I also think when I came out, I think a lot of people, even people that we had gone to school with at the studio, I think it gave them a different idea of who I was. Mm. Because I think up to that point, they just saw me as like, you know, this tall, lanky, like, you know, ex-model, like, who who is she who does she think she is but then afterwards they're like oh okay there's something more to her than she phones and like i just i just <laughs> i just always thought of you as like a, a living breathing titania always <laughs> that's how i always thought of you <laughs> well, I oh my god like the names you and i had for each other <laughs> oh yes <laughs> <laughs> i feel like we've drifted into it but in the in the third sort of like relationship with yourself I think we've 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 circled around that that point of success. Is there is there more you want to say about sort of how you got to that being such a successful place? Or I don't think it's I don't think it's a closed road. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I always remind myself is like, I think, I think our entire lives are paths of self-discovery mm-hmm. and I'm always looking to find out more, to become more comfortable in, in who I am. Don't apologize for what I do or what I say, because I will make sure that everything that comes out of my mouth also carries with it my heart and my golden rule that you mentioned, you know, do unto others as you want others to do unto you. Um, so I don't think it's a closed road. I'm, I'm part of the journey. I have obviously come uh, very far considering where I started and the amount of self-shame, maybe even self-hate. Hmm. I went from asking why, why did I have to be born the way I am to getting to a point of saying, thank you very much for giving me my existence as I am. Because had I not been who I am, had I just been a cis boy or a cis girl um, and been, you know, have been attractive in the way that I am, <laughs> and, and had that been the sum of my existence, I probably would have been another spoiled, clueless girl whose whole goal in life would have been to marry someone wealthy. Mm. But because that was not my life, it forced me to look outside of my immediate world. Mm. It forced me to sit at a table with kids who um, lived at group homes, to break bread with people who lived on the street. And to be able to do that with people who I considered to be a community and yet were so different from anybody I'd ever been around, that forced my view of the world wide open. And I am so grateful for that. I think I would have been so nauseatingly annoying and cunty (laughs) had that not happened. Um, You said I could curse. I love it. I just love it. I love the usage of the word cunty. And so in that sense, what I tell my kids is, do you know how iron becomes steel? Iron has to go through a great deal of pressure and heat Hmm. to become steel. And I have become steel. Yes, it has a cost. Yes, the scars are there. But I believe that what I've gotten out of it, I think I'm a more compassionate person. I think I look at people with a wider lens. I think I extend my hand out further than I would have otherwise. And to me, that's success. To me, that's personal success. It makes my heart happy. Hell to yes. somebody else, it may not be, but to me, yeah. Yeah, that's that's the best kind of success. Well, we're towards the end, so here's what's gonna happen. I'm mm. I've got I've got some new what? end of show copy that I'm uh, supposed to read, and I haven't looked at it yet. Oh, so, so he's gonna, gonna cold read that I'm for us. Cold read it. It's gonna be great. And then, uh, Puya, we can have you plug anything that you'd like to plug. Um, and then I want you to give us your advice for success. <laughs> you have a moment to gather yourself. <laughs> um, as I say, thank you to everyone for listening. This has been Dress for the Podcast. You want a podcast about success. I'm David. And- Pause for Megan. David, don't read this part out loud. <laughs> I'm Megan. You can find out more about this podcast and others like it. Like <laughs> <laughs> my mic fell. Mic fell over. <laughs> Megan's mic was laughing too hard at my shenanigans. Shenanigans. You can find out more about this podcast and others like it, like Learn a Little and Arthur Greenleaf Holmes at background. That's right, backgroundjoys.com or at backgroundjoys <laughs> on social media. 
I'm no good at just reading text without any judgment. I was like, is that right? What? No, you right. were reading? Get out. Also, be sure to visit dimlywit.com or at Dimlywit Productions to check out some of our partner podcast friends like Bad Examples, Obsessed with the Best, and We're Just Talking Podcast. Uh, you can support us, that's me and Megan, directly by visiting patreon.com slash backgroundjoys. That was my new outro text. Did you like it? Yes. I think I say all that most weeks, except for the names of the Dimly Wit episodes. Maybe I, was, I'll, I was trying to pick out what was different. Yeah, maybe I'll zhuzh that in my own little David way. And a little zhuzh. Give it a little zhuzh. Zhuzh pot. <laughs> That's me, I'm a little zhuzh pot. <laughs> a little pot of zhuzh. Um, Puya, where can people find out more about you? What do you want to plug? Uh, well, uh, if anybody wants to find me, I'm uh, I'm kind of like a one one trick pony. You look for Puya Land on any platform, you will oh. find me. As in like Disney, except Puya. <laughs> uh, but God, please take me there. The Puya, Puya Land. Puya Land? Uh, yes. yeah, is actually like you know it started many years ago from a show, and it's in my mind it's where you get to be who you are, and you get to get the respect that you show others. So it's kind of mm. like that mythical world. What do I want to plug? My, my, my film. See you then. Yeah. It's, an, it's an amazing film. If you like women's stories, if you like queer stories, if you like representation of people from different races, um, it has great rating. Critics seem to love it. Right now, it's at Wicked Queer until the 18th. And then after that, it goes to um, other festivals like Atlanta Film Festival and uh, Florida Film <laughs> Festival and whatever comes after that. So crazy. And you know what? You don't have to follow what I tell you. Just follow what really speaks to you and go and support those artists. Love it. Hmm. And what's your advice for success? How can we be successful like you? <laughs> successful like me? Well, I, I don't know if I can say all of that in mixed company. <laughs> um, successful like me, if I was going to say, above all, be true to yourself. And I know somebody else, some other white man said that many, many, many centuries ago. But, you know, it just sounds a little stuffy when he says it. So it's like, I'm like, you know, listen to the voice inside yourself. That usually guides you. But really listen. Hmm. That's all I have. I love it. That's awesome. All right, Megan. Uh, Take us out. Uh, hey, hey, it's it's over. <laughs> <laughs> Give us our sponsorship. Who is this episode brought to you by? Uh, by Yukonuba Dog Food. Is that, a, is that real? It's real. That is a real dog food, but they didn't but they, sponsor they, us. They definitely don't sponsor us. Okay. <laughs> they have the best dog food. Do you want me to do the voice? I can be like. I want you to Yukonuba do the jingle. Dog. What's what's the Yukonuba dog food jingle? You know you want a Yukonuba dog food. <laughs> We're either gonna get sued or hired, and I love it. <laughs> Hosted on dimlywit.com.